0: lucha-masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragón. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-mask.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, we recap news and events from this past week and preview what's to come. Now, what do we cover? Well, we try and cover news from AAA, CMLL, and top Mexico-based independent promotions, along with Luchador-related news from WWE, AEW, MLW, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and more. Now, this show is a team effort and so well I always why I always jump ahead. I always jump ahead <laughs> of myself. I am Miranda Morales, the person who's been talking for the past minute or so. Uh I am one of the co-hosts of the Central Weekly and uh, we typically do this show uh, as a trio. We've been uh, deeming ourselves the trio's champions, but this week we are out with uh we don't have one of our members. So, um Unfortunately, the dashing Dusty Murphy is not with us this week uh, out due to illness. Um we wish Dusty a healthy, safe recovery. Um but I still have Brendan Barr here. Who? Brendan Barr's here. <laughs>
2: That's right. You always jump ahead because you don't want to talk about yourself. You want to get right into all this fun lucha conversation. So that's so.
1: I'm just really excited, <laughs> and I just I just roll into even just introducing you and, and uh, Dusty. I totally jump ahead, and people, you know, forget you know to say my own name. But yes, Miranda Morales and Brendan Barr are here for this uh, of the Lucha Central Weekly podcast. And don't forget that this podcast is available on Lucha Central com and all major podcast platforms including itunes spotify Podbay, and speaker uh, we want to thank everyone who's been listening to us for uh about the past month or so since we have debuted uh, uh just a big thank you to all of the supporters all of the listeners uh, we have greatly appreciated uh all of you know the the listeners for uh, this show we have some really good Stuff this week I just I think I'm also really excited uh, for this week because we just have some fantastic news uh, an amazing interview um, with Lindsay Dorado I mean that was a, a dream for all three of us um, that that got to do that Dusty was able to uh, be a part of that interview so you will be able to hear him later on the, in the show if you miss Dusty if you're a Dusty Mark um, do not fret. <laughs> You will hear him later on. Lots to hear from. He
2: is a Lindsay fan and and just was
1: eating up that energy. He he was. It was uh <laughs> a, 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 well we all were, but Dusty especially. <laughs> he definitely was like a, a kid. Uh, I mean I didn't see his eyes because this was all audio, but I could you know sense his eyes were gleaming at yeah. just the cursation Lindsay.
2: Yeah, well and then uh he posted that picture of the the mask that he got one of the early masks he got was a Lindsay mask that uh was involved in some of his uh his wedding
1: ceremonies. So
2: I mean, I know it was in the
1: hem. Yeah, he shared that. Well, you guys will listen to it like I'm not going to I'm not going to do any spoilers here. Uh but you guys will just have to listen on later in the show for that interview. Um but you know, it's funny that you bring up Dusty's mask um, because I know that you had a kind of a topic around masks that you wanted to start the show off with.
2: Well yeah so inspired by that by Dusty putting up the picture of the Lince mask saying it was one of his favorite masks he has in his collection and since he's not here we can use that de facto Lince Dorado mask. I thought maybe we could talk about some of the favorite masks in our collection. So I uh, personally have uh, a, a, a a couple that are very special to me, but one—the one I want to talk about—is uh, I have a Solar mask uh, from the wonderful El Solar, the, the original, not his, not his son, who's also good. I have one of those too, Ooh. but the Solar one—I uh, I, was—he uh, was wearing the mask at the a mask at the Lucha Bowl when, uh, which is the one of the events that happens at Expo Lucha. And, uh, when I talked to him later in the weekend at the table, he had that particular mask for sale. So it's one that I interacted with him personally, with Solar personally, and then was able to pick the table. Very excited.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Where is your, where does that mask reside? Uh, it is on
2: a bookshelf where I am working on a much more wonderful display for things, but I have a very tiny little room here in Seattle. So, uh. I'm I'm limited on space and rotate through uh, what masks get displayed.
1: And so do you have – it sounds like you have multiple masks uh, uh, in your collection.
2: I do. I do have a few masks in my collection. I have Solar, Solar Jr. Um, I have a couple from our local luchadors uh, at Lucha Libre Volcanica, some who've gone on to bigger things. There is an Avispa Dorada mask around here somewhere, I believe. I might be mistaken on that one. I know I've got a and Sonico and, uh, and, and, uh, why did his uh, I've got uh, yeah so I've got a few from that class that have gone on to do bigger interesting and
1: how do you display them do you have uh the like a styrofoam heads or I know that sounds like a weird question but I know that uh, everyone has kind of different methods in which they display their masks some will have them on mannequin heads some will just have them on some other type of um uh setup um so you know what what's yours
2: well, uh so the bookshelf display that I'm working is gonna be a combination of uh mannequin heads and shadow boxes.
1: Oh shadow boxes.
2: Yeah. Uh so I'm gonna have a few of the ones that uh I don't want to get as uh, as uh, many people touching it, shall we say. I'll have those <laughs> in the shadow box instead. So that solar mask
1: is probably gonna go with but that's really cool. I do not have any luchador masks. <laughs> oh, I do not. No, I do not have any at all. Um, I and this, I remember telling this to you and Dusty. Not that this is anything to be proud of. I did at one time have one, but it was a generic mask that was part of a Halloween costume that I bought uh, <laughs> several years ago. However. So the mask disappeared somewhere on the Las Vegas Strip. That's really the, the oh, short
2: Oh. That's the cool part of the story, though.
1: I will, I don't know how it got lost on the Las Vegas Strip. I just know that it was taken by one of my friends, and it somehow disappeared on the Las Vegas Strip. I think they probably thought, this is too hard to breathe in, and they took it off, and it disappeared. Um <laughs> But unfortunately, the mask itself is gone. And I don't even remember. Usually, you just have masks um, or, or fake masks. You know, at least have some kind of style that's, you know, similar to an actual luchador's mask. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, I, I don't recall. However, it did come with a uh, plastic wrestling belt title um, that <laughs> looks fairly similar to the uh, WCW World Championship uh, belt. So Ooh. I still have that. I'll have to show you guys one day my my big gold belt. Made out of plastic. That's
2: your big plastic gold belt.
1: <laughs> it's all right. Many gold.
2: many of us have big plastic gold belts. It's it's fun. <laughs>
1: It's 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 a tradition. Um however, I was looking at at least some of my favorite lucha libre masks if I were to try and purchase one or find one, um a few came to mind. Uh I really like uh the Ultimo, Ultimo Dragon um uh, mask. Um uh I really like it more with the blue uh base um, there was one in particular with blue and gold trim, and I think a little bit of red. And one of the – it may sound like an odd reason that I like the mask is because of the strands that uh, fall from the head, uh, from the neckline, that kind of simulate a dragon's neck. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it, that, I thought, was a, always a really cool detail uh, about that mask. Um, but, and that made it just so distinct too. I know, too, just the, the trim on the side from the eyes kind of going down to the mouth. Uh, I've always loved that. Um, I also love the green. I think that's probably I probably like the green and red one more than the blue Um But those are my two favorite color combinations of Ultimo Dragon. And probably just for nostalgia's sake, Blue Demon. Just that mask is so synonymous with Lucha Libre. And probably if there when talking about fake masks or Halloween masks that you see, a majority Mm -hmm. of them are probably modeled after Blue Demon.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Yeah, Blue Demon and Santo are like the two that uh, everyone does Lucha Mask based off of.
1: Yeah, I just I, Even, I really love this. It's simple, but at the same time, it's iconic.
2: Well, yeah, and it's a good use of color. It's, it's one of my favorite from from that generation of math, too. And it was definitely one of the first ones I went out of my way to get. Oh, so you have one. I do have a blue it's not a great quality blue like if you go on the uh uh the mask collectors chat that's also on there, they will talk about grades on there and mine is what you would call a commercial grade where you could probably buy it on the streets of Mexico. But <laughs> Uh
1: that's how you know a lot of people yeah. who I'm sure start their mask collections or first have mm-hmm. their exposure uh to luchador masks, so I think everyone starts somewhere, and that even may be where I start because uh I well maybe you know that that's a good question you know as as a novice or not even a novice, just someone who has never collected a lucha libre luchador mask before uh how what would you recommend as kind of a good starting point for me uh well at this point
2: you just want something you're going to have some sort of uh attachment to or story around like even even if it's just that you really like that blue demon mask and you find a nice blue demon mask that's a good place to go or um as we've discussed with other people, they have they they make their own mass, and maybe you can talk somebody into making you one of their mass at some point, and mm-hmm. that becomes the centerpiece for your new collection.
3: Custom,
2: um, yeah. See, there's all kinds of ways you can go. It's just, as long as it's something at this point that you're going to have an attachment to, because just getting one to have one doesn't seem like like it's the the best way to go anymore.
1: No, that's such a good point. You have to find value in it, whether you're right, it's from one of, uh, an inspired from one of your favorite luchadors, um, and it has that meaning to you, or it's a custom one, or, you know, I feel like that that is much more uh, really about the collection is about how, you know, it brings meaning to you yeah
2: or a souvenir I have a friend who uh when she does trips to Mexico City comes back and brings me um it's equi- equates to about five dollars American dollars but just grab a, a mask off the streets in Mexico so they're really uh cheaply made but you know because they are uh they're coming from they have a story behind them they're it's it's an interesting piece to my collection
1: yeah well, it's better than a magnet, so I feel like that's a, <laughs> that's that's a lot funner. <laughs> It's true. I got a segue because that is such a I feel like a solid segue talking about Trips to Echo uh, to a segment that we've kind of coined yours, um, The Road Back to Shows. Brendan, can you let us know what's uh, up in the world of, of going back to uh, the show? So
2: um, the, we are at a point where less news of, is coming out of Mexico about return to dates. We're still looking at... Uh, you know September October for shows for AAA or CMLL uh with uh with any sort of an audience AAA is going to experiment with uh empty arena shows still but there not a lot of details have been given out about that
3: mm-hmm. um
2: but uh the bigger news as far as the road back of course people are buzzing about new japan starting up shows again so new japan uh has announced a june fifteenth date for returning to shows those will be empty arena shows and then june 16th the new japan cup series will start and that'll go all the way to july 3rd um unfortunately for people fans like me lucha libre uh talent uh is is going to be a little more scarce in this one they had a, a more di- they had a much more diverse talent pool they were originally going to have but because of travel restrictions they're going with people that are easier to get that are closer to japan and uh but the good news i when i was looking over the roster is that uh they still have lucha influence performers like uh el desperado obushi takahashi so there will be some content for fans to watch there and uh, definitely, the the luchador versus strong style matchups are some of my favorites that I've seen uh, in the international circuits recently.
1: Yeah, very very much agreed. Do you think that uh, other promotions are going to be watching the New Japan return uh, to really see how uh, what what they implement, what they set up, what they do in um, bringing back? wrestling because I and, and maybe there's relation maybe there's not but I do have a feeling that there's going to be promotions from all over the world really keeping an eye on New Japan um, with this to see not only how well it goes resuming wrestling but uh, all other aspects of running a show now in a COVID-19 world such as Safety, such as um, you know, wiping things down and, and or sanitation or whatnot. What what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I mean, undoubtedly, people are going to do uh, New Japan's uh, performance on it. We've seen a little bit of that already. You'll have a uh, you'll have you have a WWE uh, and an AEW here in America that are performing, and then one week one promotion will do something like adding audience members to uh, of wrestlers, and then the other one will will kind of replicate or work against that depending on how they want to. So they are clearly watching each other and learning. Uh, New Japan is viewed uh, very much as in the same filter. It's on the, it's a top tier promotion. So anything they do or don't do is going to be something everybody looks at. I think even uh, the Mexico promotions are going to be keeping an eye on what they do and don't do to get ideas <laughs>
1: I, I agree. I think that there there really will be uh, a lot of eyes on New Japan coming back. Um and I think fans will be excited, uh, to to see them coming back after several months hiatus. Well,
2: if yeah, if the Twitterverse is any indicator they're excited, that was um one of the, the big things running around wrestling Twitter over the last week was people being excited for new Japan content.
1: Absolutely. And we also want to throw in a plug for LuchaCentral.com on a fascinating article that they posted last week um, called Lucha vs. COVID-19, the Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy. And this is uh, an article in which uh, Lucha Central... Um, ends up interviewing um, co-founder and co-owner Joey Chaos um, and uh, I believe also um, Sylvia Munoz um, regarding Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy and how they have been adjusting to life through COVID-19, how they've made some uh, changes to the academy based off of COVID-19, uh, more about their history, and really, you know, how this pandemic has been affecting their wrestling school. So we absolutely recommend that everyone uh, check uh, this out on LuchaCentral.com.
2: We had a we had a chance to talk with uh, some of the people at the, the school and uh, it's very interesting read to and story to see what schools in particular are doing to try and adapt. It's a unique environment for sure.
1: And this story is actually part one in a new series examining the hardships promotions are facing. If you like this story, make sure to keep checking out LuchaCentral.com because more stories are going to be posted uh, throughout the next few weeks. And uh, again, the first story is Lucha versus COVID-19, the Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy.
2: Excellent. So also related to our... Road back to show segments we had mentioned some some other bad news previous weeks, and I wanted to follow up with uh, the story on Mathematico it's uh, Mathematico two had been hospitalized and he did pass away this, this. so this is um the uh he is the son of the original Mathematico he and his brother were part of a trio's team the father, the son, and the brother were part of a trio's team um he is he's done triple a work. Although uh, he's been largely retired since, since 1996, um, uh, it was a very, very emotional moment to have the first kind of official COVID loss in the Lucha world for me. So uh, I wanted to, to update people on that story.
3: Yeah,
1: thank you so much for, for sharing, Brendan, because it is important as fans for us to know these things about how COVID-19 is actually impacting not just wrestling shows and wrestling academies but people and families Um, so we send our condolences to the friends and families of uh, Mathematical um, and we we do keep them in our hearts and in our prayer. All right well we are now going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo with this week's Lucha Central Central.
0: Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a look at all of the great shows available this week on the Lucha Central Podcast Network where you can always find each show on its own or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show for every show in one easy feed. Monday. Lucha Libre Figures and Facts returns as the crew talks about the history of one of Lucha Libre's most influential personalities, Conan, including an in-depth look at his Toy Biz WCW Slam and Crunch action figure. Tuesday, it's Matt, Matt, and mayhem. As Lucha Underground executive producer and showrunner Eric Van Wagenen is back for part two of his interview, where he gets confronted with the number one question on the minds of series fans: Will Lucha Underground return? Tune in Tuesday for his answer and a whole lot more. Thursday on Straight Out of the Bodega, Papo Esco and Gabriel Ramirez are joined by WWE. NXT referee Tom Castor, who trained for his career in NorCal and was part of many area promotions, including PWR, before his move to the international stage. The trio talks Tom's incredible journey leading up to his tryout, signing with WWE. And the road to recovery after his gruesome injury, where his leg snapped mid match, but he kept officiating until the end. This is an interview you won't want to miss. Also, Thursday and in Espanol, the number one Spanish language wrestling podcast in the U.S., La Mesa de los Margaros, is on new. And Triple A Exotico Mamba pulls up a seat at the table. On Friday, We've got one of the top Lucha Libre podcasts on the U.S. iTunes charts, Lucha Central Weekly, and the number one wrestling podcast in Mexico. Lucha Central Weekly en Español. Get all the latest news on the road to Lucha Libre, restarting in Mexico, plus a check-in on the top names in Lucha Libre in U.S. promotions, including WWE and AEW. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central networks Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, and please be sure to give a rating and review to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week.
1: Thank you again to Denise Alcedo with this week's Lucha Central Central. And do what she says. Why don't you go uh, to your favorite form of podcast streaming? Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all of that good. Uh, Denise asked nicely. You guys should go ahead and wipe my finger to the computer.
3: Um,
1: so, Brendan, we're just really going to jump into our first big topic of the night. I mean, so much has changed in a week. In NXT. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, so
2: for those of you that want this little peek behind the curtain, there was some talk beforehand about, uh, oh, do we really think that a lot's going to happen on this week's weekly episode of NXT? And we were like, no, probably not. We'll, you know, probably have some time. And then things went even bigger. So like, and first off, before we get to that though, we had the In Your House show, and uh, everyone expects In Your House to be uh, big and have a lot of big things happen. And this was no surprise, no uh, letdown on that. It, it was definitely a big show with a lot of big stuff going on, and we had uh, a fairly good lucha presence in the show, I would say. Um, I agree. Starting starting with uh the the opener match with the lady uh you had Dakota Kai, Candace and Raquel Gonzalez versus Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh you had all the usual happenings there. Uh the uh the the, the, the Lucha centric team get the best of this one but they looked really good.
1: Yeah, I liked the pacing in this match. Um I loved the the storyline setup um where we knew that um Candace was having problems with Mia, Tegan and Dakota. Um, Shotzi had already faced um, Raquel, uh, you know, in a previous episode of NXT. So they had set this uh, three-way tag, or this uh, three-woman tag uh, pretty pretty well. And the pacing was fast. There was some really good action. And it was, I think, a great way to start off uh, in your house.
2: It was a great match to start off in your house. Um, uh, it was... Uh exciting from the get-go there was lots of uh, uh big big action everybody got to look strong um and i mean to that point again i i cannot say enough about how much i love just how strong uh, raquel gonzalez has been looking with successive match and she had some great stuff in here uh, as well yeah. um but uh, and then you had you had that resolution. Uh, well, not necessarily resolution, but you had that you had that story note, the finish, where you had uh, uh, you had the, uh, the the big feud, the Dakota Kai
1: mm-hmm. uh, Tegan Knox
2: feud feud get kind of acknowledged at the, with the finish, which was great.
1: Yeah, and they still seem like they can take this even further. You know, this was just one way I think to acknowledge all of these storylines melding together in a match, but they still have some steam. I'm not. I think eventually we're really going to need some specific resolution with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. But because these other storylines with me and Candice are still new, Shotzi and, and uh, Raquel are still kind of new. Those you will know, have some uh, ability to keep on a little longer. Um, but I, I, you know just yeah for me personally i want to see some resolution with dakota and tegan fairly but i i feel
2: like that with this finish uh we can you can draw that out a little more there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of that emotional satisfaction but they can mix it up with all six of these ladies and you're not feeling like you're missing out on the where's where's the finish between tegan and and uh dakota you you can you know be like okay so Shots is going to wrestle T wrestle uh, Dakota this week and Raquel will be there, but it's not, it's not obviously just setting up uh, Yeah, you know, yeah, I think, I think yeah. that uh, that is why I'm satisfied with that. And it's a classic NXT style booking where they, they sort of set one feud up to be a little cooler for the time being, but allowed a lot more to happen. So you had no idea what was going to happen when you tuned in the next week.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
2: Um, we uh, after that there were a couple other matches and then we get Carrion uh, Cross making his uh, big pay-per-view debut in a match against Tommaso Ciampa of all people and uh, so uh, since uh, Denise was doing the uh, the throw in here I'm going to mention that she also she had a wrap-up party where I sat in the chat with, with uh, her fans after after this event and we discussed this. Uh She and I agreed on on this particular match, which proves that uh she's even smarter than I gave her credit for because she agreed with me uh, but but uh uh we think we both thought this is the 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 ending of the the finish in this particular of this match where uh Karrion Kross Cross has a decisive finish, but uh Champa still looks strong was a fantastic way to do this and really mm-hmm. created a new star,
1: yeah. I agree. I think that they have really decided that Carrion is going to be their new monster. And almost the passing of the torch of Champa to Carrion, where Champa was that big threat for many people. And now Mm. you found someone a little bigger, a little scarier. And this I thought was a, a really great match. I knew that Karrion was going to be fairly dominant. Um, and and not to say that I thought this was going to be a squash match. I know that Tommaso got some really good offense in. But ultimately, it was just um, a demolition of Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. And I know we'll talk about uh, NXT this week. But uh, if anything, they're sh- shooting him straight to the top.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I knew based on this finish that they wanted to jump straight to the top. And for those of you who haven't heard the NXT results and are relying on us, when we get to what happens on this week's show, this is part of why we're all excited and wanted to talk about it right away. Um, yeah, uh, so that was those were to the two big Lucha-focused ones on the In Your House. We didn't have anything from Phantasma on the In Your House show, so we knew... Something he was probably going to come out and talk on the the weekly show, uh, r- fresh off of his big win. But uh, did you have any other thoughts on in your house?
1: I just I really enjoyed the show. I liked a lot of pretty much all the matches. Um, I know that there's a pretty solid consensus through the internet community on the backlot bra being a little underwhelming. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't necessarily disagree, even though I'm a big fan of cinematic matches, um, the execution of that just felt a little different, but I was a huge fan of uh, Velveteen's dreams, uh, um, homage to Negan from The Walking Dead, so that mm-hmm. sold me on it. And of course, the women's triple threat match, uh, the main event, was phenomenal. But phenomenal. I mean, NXT, yeah, NXT just put together a really solid great show uh, and uh, yeah. amazing matches and you know it was really hard to even with some you know the the back the back locked bra being underwhelming that's just because everything else was so you know out of the water so um uh, it's a hard card to to be on but a, a yeah. fantastic work by nxt so
2: so the the fact of the matter is there has to be a a a uh... A worst if there is a best and there's so cinematic matches have to you know like this one didn't live up to the hype of the other cinematic matches but I mean, it's still far and away it was a fine match so yeah if if that is as bad as cinematic matches going to get in the modern era we're in for a very entertaining ride
1: yeah i'm not mad at it
2: uh all right so now we get off to the weekly show um and uh as we as we had uh predicted that uh, Phantasma was going to come out and say a few things and I don't even remember because the aftermath of it of or the the, the talk was so uh, so big that it kind of overwhelmed me. Did he even, was there even a match or was it just a mic spot?
1: No, yeah, so uh, Drake Maverick and Iho the Phantasma were in the ring. Drake was thanking Ehole for the fantastic match that they had last week, um, that Drake knew that his uh, signing contract signing to NXT kind of overshadowed eho's win and he wanted the crowd to recognize him um and they did they cheered for him and then drake did throw out that you know now now that he's in the mindset where you know his job isn't on the line and all that that he thought that he could take on eho Del fantasma he wanted to have a shot at the cruiserweight champion and eho mm-hmm. said see, sure, let's do it. But before they could get into the match, the well, and they didn't even state that the match was going to happen right then and there, but before we could really get anything deeper, we had the two masked men, the masked luchadors, yeah. come out. Yeah, and this is the part that was
2: taking my breath away because last week we were discussing what's next in the future, and I described this scenario, but I was thinking this was two or three weeks down the road. Mm-hmm. The two masked men came, came out, uh, and Drake and Phantasma lined up back-to-back like they were going to fight until the moment that they weren't back-to-back anymore. <laughs> and yes. and uh, Phantasma had turned around and everybody uh, it kind of collectively sucked up their breath knowing what was going to happen next. And sure enough, all three of the masked men beat up Drake. Mack.
1: Oh man, it was such a good turn. Um, I guess literally from E hole because when that turn happened, you knew. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we got we got swerved. Everyone, we got <laughs> swerved, um, and and that's when you found out. You know, the, I proposed the question last week: Are uh, were these men friends or foe? And now we know they are friends and so they got into the ring started to attack drake maverick and then they unmasked themselves and you have mm-hmm. to help remind me uh of who they were i know one was raul yeah uh uh lost place in my notes here uh it was
2: raul mendoza right Ra- yeah raul mendoza and joaquin Wild.
1: and they were previously abducted by other masked men. So there's a loophole yeah. in this that we're still going to, you know.
2: My just... favorite online comment was, wait, did they kidnap themselves? So. <laughs>
1: yeah, we don't. They, they were kidnapped by who knows. Uh, but, yes, they, they, they are now a soci- of, And now, pretty much after uh, E-Hole attacked Drake Maverick, he did something that I think some fans were expecting because of his previous work in NXT, but not everyone was. So it was a bit of a surprise. He took off his mask,
3: mm-hmm. took off
1: his mask and declared himself a new by new name, Santos Escobar.
2: Yes. And then he said he is untouchable.
1: And that and and I love he didn't even it wasn't pulling out a mic. He didn't need yeah. a mic in order to do this. And so that just felt so organic, so cool yeah. when he just, yes. you know, he didn't even yell that much. And I think that's the beauty of an empty show like that. And those yeah. little nuances with promos that you can do that you can't do with a live crowd, that just added an extra air of intimidation.
2: Yo, yeah, oh, absolutely. And and he, again, because he is so good with the performance, having worked with a mass for most of his career all of him, everything about that moment was uh, projecting outward and really made, sold this heel turn in a big way. He was, he was confident at a new level in a way that uh, you hadn't. Uh, but he, uh, and, and very clearly uh, more of a, of a, a, shall we say, an evil mastermind, making it look like he kind of manipulated this whole thing to happen, possibly, uh, you know, possibly planned out weeks ago with, uh, with a, kidnappings of uh his his two Mm -hmm. minions there
1: yeah Uh, I mean it it just it I think sets up such a good trio in NXT that makes me very excited for him it makes me excited for them as a faction um I know they don't necessarily have a faction title yet we just know you know everyone by by name um I'm curious if they'll get a I don't even know if they necessarily need a faction title it's WWE still at the heart of it, so I'm sure yeah. they will. Uh, but mm-hmm. this also elevates I think the cruiserweight division to a whole new level. This when yeah. we are not playing games and like this is this is even though know, it's the cruiserweights, the big boys are it's to, to take care of the big
2: names, big presences, that none of it feels like uh, a cheesy gimmick, which uh, is some things that the uh, two oh five Cruiserweight division has been accused of in the past over different iterations. I'm not going to say anything that for sure that people have said that about recently, but if you look back in the in the history of the cruiserweight division, they were a lot more. <laughs>
1: in amore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Indeed. I'm <laughs> um, so parched. <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah, they definitely have arrived. Um, I did have an interesting little discovery on uh, the the so one of the things I want to touch on is they, they had a look, the two guys in the, uh, in the mask were wearing suits and uh, Phantasmo was, was wearing his gear, but the way that we've seen him stylized before, he, he very easily will come out wearing a matching suit in the future. And so they were kind of, their people were kind of uh, relating this to other things. And one of the, an interview that I found and I can't, remember I I wish I could give you better citations on this uh I found it on uh,
1: everyone just trust him trust the man
2: (laughs) no I found I found it uh referenced on another site so I couldn't find the original thing but uh they had said so theoretically uh they said that the kidnapping storyline was inspired by the Simbanese Liberation Army uh kidnapping Patty Hearst so with the indoctrination so there may be some uh some more uh, historical flair, and maybe uh, to uh, I know uh, Kevin for with Mass Republic was joking about him being a drug lord, but that may be more what's implied.
1: Well, I mean, the last name is Escobar, so I, I get that uh, yeah. reference. I get why why that reference may be used or, or thought of uh, with the same last name as, as one of the notorious drug tins. Mm-hmm. Of all time. Um, And I know for some people that may be, you know, uh, even a negative connotation. I went last week on my own little mini rant uh, on Latino representation in WWE and how it's always been uh, a little off, more campy, uh, more, um, what's the word I'm trying to use? More campy and a, a little bit more stereotypical. Uh, And, you know, uh, there is a stereotype associated with Latino drug lords and drug kingpins. Um, However, you know, I think that the way that this story may be told is, like you said, it could be actually inspired by something completely different. So that I think we'll have to see. But it also, I I do appreciate more when these types of storylines take more of a dramatic turn. Um, and less campy. I, I do appreciate that yeah. more. I feel like it's taken more seriously, um, yes. more thought into it, and I think it's even respect because it takes more time and dedication to put a more serious tone, more of a even a badass spin on a Whoa. trio like this than yes. say some ridiculous outfits or catch. <laughs> well,
2: right. It's um. I- all my respect and love to Lindsay who we'll talk to later. But it's a very different angle than the uh, Lucha House Party,
1: for sure. And and that's good. <laughs> I think that's a yes. good thing to have that variant. Um, yes. And who knows? Maybe this does lead. Even though Lucha House Party's on SmackDown, um, you never know. We may see them in in NXT right? uh, as a you know trio uh, match, which I think would be. Phew, mind-blown yeah. Oh, I, yeah, that
2: would to, be. to take your catchphrase that would be a take much i would be uh <laughs> <laughs> i'd be all about that but to to the point that I, I i kind of let slip away from me is that by having hints of the storyline and having all of them having this dynamic presence they really added that air of seriousness and and uh impact and like this is definitely a main event faction they are not they're not going to be um like the the mid card guys they're going to be at the top of the card uh, most of the time usually
1: Absolutely this is an awesome direction for. I mean, we were already very hyped and excited about uh, e del Fantasma's win last week uh, and becoming the new becoming the new NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And again, it's still I, I'm still not really hearing interim. I feel like that is is being more of a permanent decision. So uh, WWE give us some facts to to try and grasp onto. But now with this change from e del Fantasma to Santos Escobar, it's taken it to another level. So, if this is just yeah. a change we one week, I am very excited and very interested to in what happens.
2: Yeah. So, to that point, though, if this is the interim and and Santos Escobar is trying to be as untouchable as he has presented himself as, uh, maybe he just won't rescind the title, or maybe he will uh, make
1: a, make a, a
2: Devlin have to earn it. Earn that title shot when he it does come back. There's all kinds of fun story that can happen
1: with uh, Santos Escobar. We got to talk about another again another dominant force within NXT, and that's Kieran Cross. And I really loved I loved this segment on this week's NXT with Scarlet Bordeaux coming out uh, to Adam Cole alone in the ring with the um, hourglass.
2: Yes. Uh, i mean it it's everything that Karrion cross in NXT has been about it's set an atmosphere it's putting a sense of an immediate menace and timeline in there but not uh but not with him physically being there. It's very much replicating the the whole slow messages and and uh everything else that led up to his imminent arrival uh, is again happening kind of saying he wants to wants the title uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and-
1: I can't remember anybody truly on NXT, even Raw or SmackDown, that has had that kind of presence so quickly in, in WWE. And just something as, and not saying a word where you can get that type of point across. Yes. So uh, I was just going back to how powerful a message I think that is just having the hourglass, just having Scarlett come out and placing that in the ring and just the significance of TikTok, the, the hourglass showing Adam Cole yeah. time may be coming up. I don't believe I've seen someone that has that much of an impact So quickly um, with such a nonverbal cue, I think, I think, you know, with with other superstars, it could be a catchphrase or even their physical presence in which, yeah, that's caught on fairly quickly, but someone who doesn't even need to come out to the ring that a single word does not need to be uttered in portray a message. I don't think so.
2: No, I don't think so either. And it's a style of message that's been given uh and used traditionally in the WWE by performers like The Undertaker where you mm-hmm. just hear the iconic gong and that symbolizes the beginning of that run. So that tells you a lot about their estimation of his abilities that they are putting him at that level already where his just the hint of him is adding that level of menace that get it's supposed to get the fans excited. And um, you, I think you're a hundred percent right. I can't think of anybody else that has reached that level so early in their WWE career.
1: I think it's fantastic. And all, and almost a natural progression it was so dominant against Tommaso Ciampa at takeover in your house. And really you wonder what would be the next progression. Obviously it could have been a North American title run or, or opportunity, but why even waste time on that route when it's a very, just very cool, very almost natural progression to go straight for the NXT championship against Adam Cole? And this will be a challenge I don't think Adam Cole has ever faced. You could see in his eyes during that uh, message that Scarlett Bordeaux was, was relaying, he was scared. Boy was scared.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I, kudos to him. That is a, a next-level performance, like, too really convey that level of uh just being scared while also not really wanting knowing what to do uh all without really thing Uh, and and yeah it's like it's it's definitely meant to be a uh he's meant to be a credible next level threat there's been a lot of talk about adam cole uh going up to one of the main rosters uh i i I guess we shouldn't use that term anymore one of the uh raw or smack other
1: brands yeah one of the other brands (laughs) I know, um, old habits die hard. <laughs> well, and then it's, uh,
2: it's always been weird for XT. It's been consistently the most entertaining product. So thinking of it as only the school has been weird for me, anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, so back to the the thought process there. That means that if the to the smart fans like us, they are putting. They're potentially putting Cross in that position to immediately pick up the the title, so that he so that Cole is free to to go up to the other to go to, uh, again not up to go to the other rosters, and uh, and uh, you can have him, which again shows that respect for Cross where he can. Be in that main position.
1: And I think it's a position that would be great for NXT to have a monster heel with the, the championship title. I would love to see a progression where the Balor gets back into the NXT championship picture and a Balor carrying cross. Match.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that is shut up and take my
3: money. <laughs> um, yeah. Even
1: even if you were to go in a direction of a North American Championship or even a champion versus champion, a Keith Lee Karian cross match would be uh, amazing. I mean, there's so many matchups that could happen from this with with Karrion being the NXT champion that it sets up a bright future for a, a good transition as well. Yeah. Uh, for the NXT Championship.
2: I honestly didn't think I could be this excited about the NXT product going into this week's show. I mean, I knew I was excited, but they they really ramped it up to the next level between this spot and Phantasma's faction coming out. Like this is uh, destination television for me.
1: Oh yeah, it is not a sprint; it's a marathon. And NXT has <laughs> proven that this week. Touche. Good good work, NXT. I'm gonna here's the golf clap. Good work, NXT. <laughs> And not a condescending golf clap. I don't want to clap too loud and sing, no. but yeah, right. I, I, they they were right. I just have to admit it. They they were right. So we, I, we will continue to keep all of you updated on what is happening in NXT. However, next we're going to be transitioning into this week's Monday Night Raw because we did have some continuation of some storylines from the last few weeks. One of them being the storyline between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio did a call-in to Monday Night Raw, pretty much calling out Seth Rollins, calling him a coward, calling him uh, all these terrible things. And unfortunately, the promo itself wasn't as memorable as I'd like for it to be. Um, And uh, Seth did respond, though, um, trying to... He invited uh dominic and ray to come to monday night raw next week ray stating well he's still not medically cleared to come to monday night raw and seth knows that and that's kind of a coward move however this also leads could lead me i don't know about you brendan to believe that there's a reason why seth invited dominic and ray Mm -hmm. to this because even though Ray and he pointed out he's not clear to come Dominic you know he doesn't have any strings attached he's medically clear to come um do you think we'll see Dominic come to Raw next Monday?
0: Uh,
2: I mean it would be it would be poor choice to not have you know I mean life will happen and maybe planes won't happen or whatever but uh based on dominic's a uh, very emotional very believable eye for an eye thing from two weeks ago and this invitation to show up this week that if dominic doesn't show up and that's kind of to uh, what to what you were alluding to that's kind of what i'm expecting is he's going to show up um we may not see ray with him and he may have a confrontation with uh with rollins and uh I, they could go a number of ways with that, but back to one of the things we were spitballing a while ago, Like, it'd be very interesting if it started as a fight and turned into a conversation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, also happening this week on Raw, we had a tag match um, in next week if Dominic comes and sets there, do we think we may even see the makings of a three on three match?
2: Uh, absolutely. I, I do feel that uh that that could be the uh the thing that they're setting up as well is a nice little three on three match, but uh we may not see that next week that we may get hints at it or we, what may happen is there may be that confrontation in the ring. And then the uh, Alistair Black and Umberto show up and back him up when he's outnumbered, uh, him being Dominic, obviously, uh, Mm -hmm. when he's outnumbered. And that sets up the, the, uh, shall we say the Teddy Long spot for those people that remember the let's have a tag team match thing. But um, that's, that's how I think that'll go. And then that will be setting up uh, the next uh, match for the next
1: this angle and what they've been doing lately with Ray doing the Collins is I like the separation between Ray and Seth. It's building anticipation to when they finally do have a match, when Ray gets his hands on Seth, that hopefully he's going to be super aggressive about it because it, it's been weeks. And with that eye injury that Seth caused, that will hopefully motivate Ray to take his wrestling to another level in order to beat Seth.
2: That's uh, that is what I hope we see. I hope we see a uh, very motivated, very aggressive, very uh, strong-looking Ray. I um, mean, he doesn't have to be powerful and in control through the whole confrontation with Seth, but I really want him to come out uh, like a bundle of raw energy and just yes. fly into him when that happens. I think the fans will will have a huge emotional response to that. I know I will. I want to see it right now.
1: Yes. And and I know that there have been some fans sometimes are not happy with storylines that are being drawn out or the way that they're being developed. But we're also in a situation where There's not a whole lot of control about what you do. So I think this has been a really creative way to stretch out this story. Get some people involved. We talked about this earlier with NXT in the uh, three-on-three women's uh, match opening NXT TakeOver in Your House. And having the dynamic with Alistair Muggero, Murphy, and that you get more value out of this. I I think I know for some people it convolutes the story more. It's kind of getting the same thing over and over every week, but we are truly living in a time where, where there's limited options, even limited wrestlers available. So I can appreciate at least how they're trying to stretch this out.
2: Yeah, um absolutely. The uh, the thing is like you to what you were talking about before, by you the tools that are available and by adding the the remote location, COVID kind of reasons for keeping wrestlers separate, but still doing promos uh, really does help stretch it out. It's not always something people have seen before, and even though you're you're getting uh, kind of a similar thing right now with uh, with uh, Alistair Black and Umberto versus uh, some combination of the of the uh, Holy Trio, shall we say? Um, you're you're always uh, it, they're always finding ways to mix it up and keep it a little bit interesting. I know some people are still going to have some issue with that, but uh, this is new, t- new television. There's un- untested grounds because uh, we're in times that we've never in- thought we would experience in our lifetime.
1: Agreed. And also happening this week on Monday Night Raw was a triple threat match to be the number one contender for the U.S. Championship. It was Andrade uh, Garza uh, and uh, Kevin Owens, the winner was would be facing uh, Apollo Cruz, I believe that backlash happening this Sunday. What this match really displayed was the continued breakdown of communication of uh, story over the past few weeks uh with with Garza really more being interested in showboating and blurring uh, than than in his wrestling, while Andrade's been more focused on getting back the U.S. championship that he lost. And with both of them going in different directions, that still left them separating more from Zelina Vega.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So one of the things I find interesting about this is that... Uh... If we, we look back to Andrade and NXT, that's where he was at. He was Showboating. He was uh, catbirding around. He was uh, doing tranquilo poses at awkward times during matches. <laughs> um, and uh, and Zelina and and losing wound up losing a lot of matches. And then Zelina came around and uh, was trying to get him focused. And uh, so and now he is he is focused. That is the the kind of the. Tissue, the connective tissue on his character and Zelina is that she's there he's focused, and he's focused on winning hundred and ten percent so uh having Angel Garza behaving in a similar manner to where Andrade was a while back really adds a it's an interesting level to this um and i I'm still not sure who's gonna if they do a split up who would come out with the the baby face on this because uh, uh andrade's focused persona doesn't transfer into being uh, the the baby face as well as the more handsome and charismatic Garza. But Garza tends to do that in a manner right now where he's more arrogant.
1: That's a really good point. I agree that it's going to be hard to distinguish who would be the face and who would be the heel because they both have elements of, Heels niche, brutal, uh, sure. that uh, I think that fans, they're interpreting both sides. You're right. Andrade has a tone of being serious, being focused, and having essentially tunnel vision for the U.S. championship. While Garza is more of the suave, cocky, confident type of heel where his focus is more on other things than probably winning matches or thinks he can win matches while he's also flirting with charlie i mean some people can <laughs> laugh, i guess what i found looking to happen is one that they're arguing led to Zelina being knocked down and them yeah. placing the blame on each other i feel like th- they're going to come back to that next week as probably a segment that we'll walk in on of them still arguing over who was the one who pushed Zelina, and she's going to say you know what you both shut up. You're both pissing me off. <laughs> She's going to set them straight, and I will love to see that, because she should. I, the, I hope that's out what of, we see. Yeah, they, they have, are yeah. Out, out of control. The it's, other it's Spilling over into
2: social, too, by the way. They're still calling each other names and taking very subtle shots at each other on Twitter and other social media.
1: Taking the work home. Taking the work home. <laughs> but I, 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 I really want to see Zelina try and lay some law and order this, and I'm not sure if she will... Even push them to have a match against each other because I could also see that being happening where she said, "You know what? Just face each other. I'm tired of this back and forth." Or it lead through its own way. Another interesting aspect I, I saw or I thought from this match was that Andrade pinned Angel to get the win. So yeah. KO. So this again talking about storyline. This still leaves KO as a possible contender in the future because he didn't get pinned. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that that we could see him easily in the title picture again, or eventually in another three way, but maybe with Andrade, Kevin Owens and uh, Apollo Crews. But do you think that there's a chance that Andrade does win the U.S. championship back from Apollo Cruz at, at Backlash?
3: Uh,
2: I mean, I'm never going to bet against Andrade. He's uh, there, There's always a chance. He's always going to be good with the belt. He will do something great with it if he has it. Um, I don't have a clear idea of what uh, Apollo Cruz is going to do with it. It would be weird for him to lose it, to have won it, and then lose lose it again immediately but that might just be in service of this uh, Garza, KO, and Andrade feud for the title. Um, to, to a point that uh, you were close to there, uh, not only did Andrade capitalize and, and pin Garza, but it was uh, so KO didn't get pinned. It was off of KO's work. So uh, you it, in wrestling stories, that generally leads to I deserve a rematch. So I think... Um, I think there's a strong chance that he does win and see Kevin Owens coming out wanting that match right away.
1: It will be. We'll, we'll have to see. No Backlash is this Sunday available on uh-huh. the WWE Network, so we'll have to be watching this match in particular to see what happens. Who knows? Maybe Angel Garza will interfere in this match and cost Andrade his opportunity the U.S. Championship, and that just fuels the file, fire even more.
2: That's a very strong possibility, too, and uh, we, uh, the Lucha Central will be giving constant updates for those of you who don't have the network, and uh, I believe uh, Denise said that she's going to have another wrap-up afterwards, which should also be on the Lucha Central network, so lots of ways to get your uh, immediate fix if you can't wait until we come back on Friday to talk to you about this show.
1: Yeah. Very good point, Brennan. I know that LuchaCentral.com will have the results from that show. Uh, if you are watching Denise's live wrap-up, that's going to be great. Um, and, of course, you can always listen to us every Friday to get our thoughts and opinions on what happened at WWE Backlash. Now, this is a part of the show I, that we are just thrilled about i mean we've we've been talking about nxt and wwe and what better way to segue into this next topic other than the fact that we were able to interview wwe superstar lince dorado Uh, the lucha central weekly podcast team spoke to him earlier this week to discuss his new t-shirt with foot action his twitch channel Lucha Lit and of course get to talk to him about Lucha Libre, what it's like wrestling in the WWE and also more of training in Mexico. So go ahead and take a listen. Well everyone welcome to uh, Lucha Central Podcast. We are very excited to a household name in Lucha Libre. While Stop he it. is known for his wrestling <laughs> he also has some mad skills in gaming and mask making. He's been a staple on the WWE roster taking place uh taking part in classic and being shows like 205 live monday night raw and is currently part of friday night smackdown one part of lucha house party ww superstar lince dorado
4: i don't like that introduction was amazing (laughs) like i don't even know what to say after that like i just want to record that every time somebody calls me and that's just it's gonna do. Was like, that was awesome <laughs> thank you for that and i'm excited to be it's been a long time coming uh the connection between lucha central gaming and mm-hmm. and and master republic i, I have a long yeah. relationship with them boys and uh mm-hmm. yeah i'm excited to be here guys so let's let's rock and roll welcome part show
1: this is i mean uh, I just had a, a mini mark out moment there. I just have to admit, uh, we <laughs> wanted to do you justice. All three of us are, mm-hmm. are variable levels. Um, well, but you really, first off, want to congratulate you uh, on the new Lucha House Party t-shirt release with foot action. Um, can you tell us a bit about your reaction when you first learned that the
3: t-shirt was
4: Absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, Hawk and Sock, uh the guy in charge, of getting this all together. I want to give him a big shout out and a big thank you because like he's been such a cool dude uh, and been such a nice guy to not only just me, but like a lot of my, the boys. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that he linked up with uh, Jesse Hernandez, Urban Aztec on Instagram and Twitter, because that dude actually created the first Outfit and the mask design for the CWC Lince Dorado version. So to <laughs> see him actually now, almost what, uh, four or five years later, make a t shirt for the Lucha House Party and myself that's going to be featured on Foot Action, like that's pretty incredible because his art style is sick. And I mean, it did it justice. It was exactly what I would have loved uh, my shirt to have been with that little urban Aztec feel. And Jesse did a great job capturing the Lucha Libre culture, the Lucha Lit philosophy, uh, just our style, our swag, exactly what we want to come across um, rather than, you know, like these cartoonish characters that a lot of people think that we are. But I was very pumped uh, when I saw it. And I hope that everybody go ahead and pick up theirs this Monday, 10 a.m. FootAction.com.
5: Can you tell us how you came to start working with Jesse Hernandez, the Urban Aztec, prior to the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament? And did that lead in any way to working together on your new T-shirt release through Foot Action?
4: So Jesse and I met, like I said, prior to the CWC. Um, I met him through, I, I believe, Instagram um, and Mastery Republic. I think he was doing something for either uh, Ray or his, just, his art style just captured. And um, I think I just reached out and I said, hey, man, like I would love for you to, to help me collab on a, a mass design for WWE because I had the Lince character prior to that for almost a decade, and I wanted to go into WWE with a new feel and look and attitude, and I wanted his style to be incorporated in. And his very first design, we hit it out of the park Um, In fact, there was a piece of the the design that we didn't make. Um, It was a a jacket that he created, but we didn't make that. We're going to make that eventually. Long story short, I fell in love with his design. I actually have it in a box shadow, and I look at it almost every day. And (laughs) fast forward, I was like, yeah, fast forward. I was like, hey, Hawkinsock, you got to check this guy's art style out. He's sick. He does a lot of street art. Um, and, and just see what you can do, you know. And this other guy didn't really have a lot of say in the, the foot action community, but he just had just enough strength that, uh, as soon as he saw Jesse's work, he was like, Yeah, we got to do something with this. And they collabed on some incredible t shirts oh, from like so cool. Warrior mm-hmm. Undertaker, y'all saw them, Sasha Banks, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they were also sick. Um, and as soon as I knew as soon as he was going to create something, that, that was it. It was going to pop off. He was going to be set for for a while. Um, and everybody likes that urban ass like urban look with wrestling mm-hmm. like that. It just goes together. It's like Def Jam Vendetta.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of his masks really stand out. Uh,
4: so
1: uh, Lindsay, uh, can you tell us about your uh Twitch channel, Lucha Lit? What inspired you to to start the channel?
4: Yeah, I mean. Okay, so the the channel started off as, of course, I want to get paid to play video games. But then you realize <laughs> it that, of course, right? That's I, awesome. Up, like, you do want to get paid. to Live play, in the see. dream. Yeah, of course. And plus, like, there was nobody else at that time, when I started at least, that was, like, playing video games in a mass, like a luchador that, like, really committed to, like, streaming and talking. Usually it's just people, like, just playing games. And I was like, you know, let me provide something a little bit different plus like of course i want to get more comfortable talking and being in the spotlight when i when i can and i just was using twitch as like that kind of tool to help me get better but then i started to get like much lit on the station and just started just going creative like even right now i'm i'm making my virtual stage for my online promotion that you're going to see me walk out in, in a couple of weeks like you know like so stuff cool. like that so like cool. entertains me <laughs> like entertains me to keep doing like the station And then I found, uh, like I said, you could do way more with it. So I started making the gear and I found a lot of people liked when I did that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Plus, I got to get it. I got to do it anyway. So why not share that experience (laughs) with people um, who are curious to know like what it takes to make gear or what does a guy who actually wrestles, like what he has to do to make gear. It's all interesting. Like I still get emails from the very first show I did. And I'm about to do no- another one on the 19th of June on my on my uh on my channel. So uh the the station itself is just something that I that's wanted awesome. to do to kind of pop myself. And you know I'm doing <laughs> it. So I'm popping myself every time I'm on the. <laughs> <team>. that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I love that. I'm doing I, I'm doing it for everybody, but really I'm just doing it for myself. I just want to make myself laugh.
1: But sometimes those are the best projects. And you have your own promotion. I mean, now you're you're literally the booker, right? You get to, to I'm, book I'm the I'm President
4: Dorado. Of the oh, film.
1: El Presidente. El
3: presidente
4: oh. Dorado. <laughs> yeah, that's, so I've always had this idea with um, my boy, Rich Swan, man. I love that dude. That's my little brother. And when we were together on the road before WWE and even in WWE, we would always bring our PlayStations. I've got four PlayStations at my house because sometimes we would lose a controller and we would justify <laughs> it to ourselves. Like, we could just buy this controller, but you know what? We need another person, So that's not four <laughs> at my house, uh, you know, just in case it's backups. But we would play 2K religiously and have, like, the sickest matches. Like, that's even how I think of my matches as video games. But um, so me and him would always just book our own matches we would always book our own storylines and just like i said just like really just wrestle for ourselves and then you know as we split and do our own things and you know he went his way i went my way but we still stay in contact but you know when that comes when it comes to the wrestling games we'll always text each other like oh you using this week all right upload them so i could download them and like use them in my fed and stuff like that so we'll have like fed cross promotion rivalries um it's just my mine happens to be on Twitch, but his his needs to be on Twitch.
5: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you should oh, wow. encourage him to get on. We'd love to see. Th-
4: dude, <laughs> Swanee's a crazy dude. I don't know if he's uh, <laughs> they'd kick him off the air pretty quick. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Another part of your Twitch channel that you've shown fans is your mask making process. Um, What led you to want to share that with with fans?
4: So, yeah, like I said, uh, so when I do those, I definitely got to do one that's a little bit more detailed because the one I do, the one that I do on my stream is like a very simple mask. It's very easy to slip on, almost like ligers, Um, but it doesn't have the detail and the quality, the time that I would put into it than I would a normal mask or a mask that I would make myself. But I wanted to share that because I thought, you know, even though I'm letting them in to a little secret of mask making of luchadors and, and stuff like that, it's still leaving a little mystery because I'm not really showing them how it's done or I'm not showing them a complete, you know, the little ins and outs, the little details that it takes to make a mask professional to be used in a, in a ring. But it does give the fans a little bit of feeling a little bit closer to you know not only myself but like the lucha libre culture and seeing like it does take more than just an hour or two hours like it does take like heart soul and dedication and love when you do create these and i know they see that in it because the fans will always will like cheer me on or like you know like this is so cool i wanted to see this or i'll let them pick the material that we'll use for the next mass and they always like stuff like that Um mm-hmm. uh, it really just lets us connect more. Um I already already feel like it's hard to connect with like a luchador, especially on the WWE level, but at least that lets them into a little bit of inside my life as a mass maker, inside my life as a wrestler. And inside my life as a person.
5: Yeah, we recently saw your Twitch video where you're a white ranger for money in the bank. Beautiful. Um, how Thank would you say that using your channel like that to showcase your talents outside of wrestling, like your video games and your mask making, how would you say that's helped you with your wrestling?
4: I mean, it definitely lets me, one, I save a lot of money like not outsourcing <laughs> things that i could definitely i will tell you this mm-hmm. i've in wwe i've probably used five other people incredible people but mm-hmm. as as picky as i am whenever i get something back that i have other people make for me i'm never happy with it or i'm disappointing it in myself that i didn't make it because i probably could have i was just being lazy but uh the sewing part and the, the construction of my gear has, dude. I've been making my stuff since 2007, oh, and wow. really been making it nonstop since 2010 when I moved to Florida. And you know, it's been almost 10 years. Well, actually, it's been 10 years. I've just like mm-hmm. really making myself. I made a, a bunch of a bunch of gear for guys and women in WWE right now and on That's the indies so cool. uh, from Charlotte Bailey, Pac uh rich swan's wow. first gear i made uh, Oh, that's so good cool. sammy callahan when he was in nxt at solomon crowe all these people like actually if it wasn't for sammy i probably wouldn't be making those gears for for all the other guys but um it really has helped me just continue my passion with wrestling the lucha libre style and just like makes me feel like it's going to be harder for me to leave because I'm always going to be like, well, I don't, I can't wrestle, but I could do this. It's always going to have me somehow tied to the wrestling lucha Libre business and culture. That's amazing.
5: And uh, you recently debuted a new trio of shirts dedicated to lit channel today. What's the design process like for making your, making a shirt within WWE?
4: oh well okay so <laughs> making my own shirts i literally could just lock myself in a room or if i'm collabing with somebody i'll just say hey creative freedom but this is what i want as far as like like for example the the lucha thread shirt this that's the one with me with the sewing machine i just said make me a cute cartoon sewing and that's what he came up with and like it's is exactly what i wanted so what you know just put on the shirt boom done but in WWE, it's like five different versions. We got a uh, process, like, you know, everything is just analyzed. And it should be because, you know, it is a lot of, that goes into it and like the gist. But the creative freedom is so much better when it comes to like, okay, if I what do I want to just put on a shirt or tank top, some shorts? I can just do whatever and then just put yeah. it on and wear it. You know, I can't can't always at work yeah. sometimes. That's
1: awesome. it's oh. awesome. It's a really, really cool shirt. So everyone should go to mm. prowrestlingtees.com. Um, let me look. So, so we
4: got, my we favorite, got the favorite th- shirt. We got my the, the shirt. One with
5: links and the the ladies. Yeah, that oh, one.
4: Fed shirt. That okay. So we got the we got the station shirt. That's the Lucha Lit station shirt. That's just for the Twitch channel. And then we got the Fed shirt. That's the the wild eighties yeah. vibe. Yeah, that yeah, was that's favorite, was one. that was my favorite. Hell. And we have the uh future threads that's when I like make gear uh or a mass and stuff like that, so they'll see me rock that. I can't pick one; they're all my favorite, but uh <laughs> yeah, you should check that Out. com slash Lindsay Dorado
5: yeah, definitely check those out. And to change gears a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about your time in Mexico and uh, who you trained under, who was your maestro,
4: and kind of how those lessons still help you today? Yeah, well, and Kalisto will tell you this, too, because I know this dude always talks about it. It is the best <laughs> cardio in the world of any sport. Oh, Lucha cardio, the <laughs> <Yeah. Well> best. <laughs> it is the best cardio in professional sports today, hands down some incredible athletes some incredible different body types doing some incredible things it's it's so cool like uh, i can't even talk about it but yeah so basically i got trained first in philadelphia under the Chikara banner but then they brought in a guy named skyda and Pentera yeah (laughs) so like obviously like okay like when you advertise lucha libre you're you're thinking okay you're gonna get some authentic luchadors to come in and train you but that wasn't the case for me the first five months until they came in as guest trainers and kind of like re reinvented my love for wrestling because i didn't go in at like wanting to be a wrestler i went in because two other guys uh also a tag team of fidian and amasis wanted to be you know tag team wrestling and get into the wrestling school of chikara and czw i think at that time it was called the wrestle factory but um one of them didn't have the money and i was like you know what i'll do it so that way you know they they didn't go alone and then i kind of just was like okay this is cool because it's wrestling i didn't really know exactly what i was getting myself into but i I kept hearing the word lucha libre and in my house my grandpa who i just came from like Lucha Libre at my house was Lucha Libre. Everybody knew what that was. <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel like I was getting that at the school yeah. not yet until these guys came in. And as soon as I locked eyes, I was like, these guys, I know what they know what they're talking about. So they, you know, love at first sight. They showed me one thing. I was like, show me another thing. Boom, showed me another thing. I said, like, show me eight things more. And then eventually, I just like grabbed the courage and I was, like, I asked Benteta. Because Skyda was already in the States and Chicago and, and Philadelphia. So I, I could get to him easily. But Ben Theta, I really wanted to get to know him and really pick his brain because he was in WWF. Like mm-hmm. right. talking about and, and Christopher Daniels and Mr. Aguilar. Like, Yo, this guy he knows his stuff. Like he's sick and his outfits are sick. Yeah. And uh he was like, Yeah, come down. Uh if you make your way down here, I'll you know, you could come train with me, you can come stay with me, but you gotta fly yourself. So, you know, I was like 18 19 i saved all my money for my summer job and i was like all right what i'm gonna take this first semester off of college and that was in 06 and i was like you know i'm gonna go down it for a couple months or you know that was it just fell in love with it and he actually was making a lot of gear for a lot of wrestlers not only in Chicago, mexico so i kind of learned a lot from him without him like showing me like really saying like hey i'm teaching you He was just like watch this look at this and yeah that's just, so cool he's looking at how he was making some stuff i kind of just like reverse engineered it in my head and you know just kind of like ran with it but man pantera was really cool Skyler was really cool uh there was a bunch of guys in chicago as well discovery was awesome uh awesome. he just passed away yeah, um, yeah. It so sad. i trained under with him uh some guys in, also in chicago yakuza and um you know just anywhere I could just like try to train I I'm going to try I'm going to go ahead and Metallic actually took me to the Mexico Arena and on oh, ice yeah and we got to train there over the summer right before we did this uh, this uh telecast for for Nickelodeon Mexico and it was so humbling to be in that arena and train to because I know a lot of other luchadors that I've looked up to I knew they rolled around in the same, same mat. So mm-hmm. for me to do that, it was kind of an honor. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that.
6: Do you uh, do you remember who you were
4: working with when you were down there? So the first time I went down there was for actually the pilot of, uh, what was it, Viva La Lucha. And I actually mm-hmm. got to wrestle, I think it was Jigsaw and Los Ice Cream. And that was the first time I saw Extreme Tiger do um, was it 450 to the floor? And I was like, this is the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. But it was awesome because I was like, he does not care, uh, and I was like, you know what? I don't care either. But um, some other times I was down there. Uh, the last time I was down there, I was there for the crash, and I got to wrestle, man, um, Dorito. But I think I, he was Mascarita Dorada. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Flamita. I wrestled yeah. with... Um, I know Willie Mack was in the match. Nice. <laughs> that's my boy. I play with him every night, too. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he cannot have a Twitch channel because every other word out of his mouth is the F-bomb or some other <laughs> word that you <he, laughs> just can't. We, we had have, with him, and he was so polite. <laughs> we have, you never know. <laughs> oh, my God. No, it, sometimes we have to remind him if he's on the stream. Like, if we do, like, a, a Lucha Lit session, I'll be like, hey, man, like, we could... We could do whatever, but just cut, try to keep the bombs as minimum, and probably the counter at the end of the night is over a thousand. I'm not even lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for him to have a chemo. Awesome.
6: Uh, so, as a as a luchador and lucha influenced wrestler in the WWE, we've uh, we've seen it. We've seen that uh, sometimes they can do big things, and sometimes they they get kind of put in. Uh, the middle of the card there. Are there, is there any kind of unique challenges you've come across being a lucha performer in the WWE style of product?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a stigma to all types of, of wrestlers, but uh, being a luchador, I think it's a little bit harder because, you know, WWE is an entertainment company rather than a wrestling company. They'll tell you that straight up. And, you know, it's, it's hard for a luchador whose face is covered to, to sell emotion, but you know we do our best, especially like guys like Ray, myself, Metalik, Alisto, um, all the luchadors in WWE right now. Like we, we're obviously there because we could connect with the audience in some kind of way, whether it's you know through talking or our body language or our mask or whatever it is. Um, but we always find a way to to overcome, like just like in any wrestling match, we just find a way to overcome it and connect and just make the best of it like i have you know, i always have i've never always have been a positive person but i will say <laughs> being in wwe and just taking it when it's good and taking it when it's bad and just you know being happy that you're just doing what you're doing is enough for me and i see my kids every day more than when i was a teacher and you would think like oh well you're home every day well i would be tired every day but being a you know being there now and being able to do what i love because, you know, every time I go out there, me and my boys are going to kill it. No matter what, everybody's going to talk about us. <laughs> and I'm going to make sure that's our mentality. We're going to go out there. If if we're not winning, yo, we're, somebody's talking about us one way or another. Absolutely. Usually about how beautiful oh. yeah. the most <laughs> dynamic and fluid for us it, I have ever seen. I want to thank you very much because that was the first and probably the only time I like, no, I'll do that crap again. I'll probably do <laughs> a little twist, boy, you know, and land on my feet and be like, yo, what's up? But, uh... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) that's that's our mentality like if if we know when to take it in good and we know when to take it in bad but like i said if whenever we get a chance we're gonna show out and we're gonna have a good time because i know there's times where people go into work and they're not happy doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. and i know no matter what i never want to take that for granted and i never want to go into work thinking like oh man it's it's work because to me, it doesn't feel like work. I'm, I'm wrestling. I'm doing my, I'm so still training your cool. Libre style. Yeah. I'm still working out hard. I'm still getting in the ring and I'm still, you know, I'm I'm getting started. I yeah. feel like I'm not, ending, <laughs> like, I'm just getting started. Like there's oh, so no. much more.
6: You're not done yet. You are no. way far from done.
4: And you, you know what's crazy is like, okay, so I guess because I started so young, like time is so long, right? And that's <laughs> yeah. the math person in me talking. By the time I saw all my friends getting signed, and I'm like, okay, man, like my, I'm really doing these crazy matches. I'm really like just getting crazy, and I see all my friends getting signed and just making a living, and really just starting their careers. And I was 28 when I said that, and I said, by the time I'm 30, if I'm not signed, I think I'm okay walking away because I did Japan, I did Mexico, I did all all the smaller companies i just didn't do wwe but i made gear for people in wwe that's how i justified it right it's really bad to think <laughs> that way but that's how i justified it
3: that's
5: no it's good but no then, i mean any you're grasping for straws any straw will do
4: <laughs> any, yeah you're just looking for the positive uh-huh. outlook in any situation that's how i saw it and then finally i got a an email like as soon as i made that thought like a couple days later i got an email pretty much inviting me to the Cruiserweight Classic. And I was like, well, I guess this is a sign. This is when it begins, you know? And at that moment, I was like, no matter what, like no promises or guarantees. I was like, at that moment, I looked at my my wife and I looked at my kids. I said, no matter what, this is going to change our life. And it did.
6: Yeah, you absolutely crushed that opportunity. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad you did because I enjoy watching you as many weeks as they put you
4: on TV. Oh, I appreciate it, man, because, like, it really is very nice when people do say stuff like that. And I don't know, again, if it's, like, the hippie in me or or just, like, it's – I feel like, yeah, I do it for me and I do it for my kids. But, like, deep down, yeah, I still do it for the fans too, right? But – Sometimes those guys could be brutal, man.
1: (laughs) And I have to—I would kick myself if I didn't say this from the bottom of my heart. As uh, you know, someone who is representing Puerto Rico so Um, Mm -hmm. well—that means a lot to to me. I literally was on a rant last week. These two gentlemen know (laughs) about—you know how how it's it's been tough, but you especially, and all all the and Lucha House Party especially have been. A group that fans, but especially you representing Puerto Rico so well, it's just more of a, a thank you. More of you know, I am sure the entire crew here all the time is insanely proud and thankful for you because that that means a lot. I'm sure for us to know that they can see things in you that are in themselves and believe that you know one day that could be the stage that they're on. And um, just just thank you for for being that person. Uh,
4: I, well, I want to say thank you for sure because I know when my kids hear that they're definitely gonna boost their ego up a little bit more as as far as like just being more confident in themselves because that's i i really do preach that to my kids a lot just being confident in, in yourself and uh i wish i like i know i could always do better representing the the Boricas, the, the puerto rica the puerto ricans everybody but I, sometimes i just get so like I, before, I just wanted to wrestle for everybody, right? But then, like you get kids and you just want to make them proud and do it for them and set a good example. And sometimes it's not always like that. But I will say this to everybody, you know, it doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter where you come from. As a former teacher, I know that it starts at education. Mm-hmm. And I know very early on, I can tell you right now, kindergarten at Davis School in Camden, New Jersey, I made a decision. In my Miss Crispy's art class, she was drawing a uh, elephant on a stool. We were doing perspective. This I remember this very vividly. This was after my uncle had showed me a tape of American wrestling that had Undertaker in it, and I was like, man, my teacher is so cool. I want to be a teacher and I want to be a wrestler at that time because at that time lucha libre was a sport to me like i really didn't grasp like oh man this was the same thing <laughs> but then like later on obviously I'm not, nobody's doing lucha libre here in the states like this i'm gonna I'm bring that style here but uh i will say like you can if you set your mind to it and doesn't don't take no i will say that that's the key do not take no for an answer everybody's gonna tell you no or kick dirt in your face but you got hands wipe those dirt Out of your eyes and just keep going because there is a goal and that's the goal that you set yourself to do. And I preach that to all my kids everywhere, whether I was a teacher or to my kids here, whatever you want to do, don't let nobody tell you you can't do it because you can look at me. You can do it. Put the work in. Get up. And do it every day until you get to your end goal. You. It's amazing. So, Thank yeah. you so mm. much. And
1: I say you represent the community well by being you. That's exactly, that, that's what's up. That's what you do. Yeah. You are being you and that's exactly what everyone needs, you know. Uh, social, that, that kind of identity with being Latino. And I know there's, you know, always this thing of, you know. Feeling like how you represent the community. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about being you, and you do that a hundred percent through your wrestling, through Twitch, through your art, through um, the mass making, todo, everything. So, oh, yeah. thank And you. My, fir-
4: yep. my first tattoo is, uh, man, I, it's on my right arm. It's, it was small when I first got it. I was sixteen. I kind of tricked my mom into getting it. She sent <laughs> me to New York. She sent me to New York, and my cousin, she was probably just turning twenty, uh, just took up. Uh, tattooing and she was probably tattooing for six months and she was like do you want one and I kind of convinced my mom to say yeah because I was like it's gonna be small but at that time I was small so like she didn't really I guess I, tri- I don't know <laughs> but it's the Puerto Rican flag and the Grim Reaper because like you know to me the Puerto Rican culture that that's always gonna be within me I'm 100% Puerto Rican my kids aren't but I'm 100% Puerto Rican I'm very proud of that you know I I I wear that literally on my sleeve and you know I I wanted that to be something first never changed that I never got it touched up I wanted it to be as original as possible because it reminded me of a time that I was so proud of and I am still of who I am and my people my culture and I never want to change that I just looked at it now and got goosebumps So.
1: I know and I'm, I'm about to cry I'm
4: sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. this is amazing <laughs> oh, <it's so> <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> mi corazón <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, not thank you enough. Uh, Myself, uh, C. Brendan, uh, Mm -hmm. all want to thank you for joining us uh, this week on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Um, Our listeners can find you on social media at... Uh, on Instagram at uh, Lince underscore Dor- Dorado and on Twitter at luchador_ld LD. They can get your t-shirts available uh, on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash uh, Lince Dor- Dorado. And uh, let us know uh, your, twi- uh, sorry, your Twitch page.
4: So yeah, you could go ahead and check me out on Twitch. I'd usually do a Twitch stream every Thursday, 8 p.m. and a Lucha Lit session, which is a Saturday. It's a little bit more adult. (laughs) uh also to 8 p.m and every once in a while uh, i'll do a gear making with my next one being on the 19th and you can check those out on twitch.tv forward slash lucha lit station
1: once again a big thank you to wwe superstar lince dorado for speaking with myself brendan and dusty the lucha central weekly podcast team on everything that he did i mean it it was an, I'm still speechless uh, about the whole experience because he was so nice, so awesome, and uh, it, it was a truly a dream come true in here hear the excitement in all of us being able to speak with him. And don't forget, you know, uh, you can go and get his new t-shirt that drops. The collaboration with Urban Aztec drops Monday, June 15th at footaction.com. This is a limited T-shirt. Limited. Very limited. Only 100 shirts are going to be sold. 100 shirts.
2: Yes. I don't think I'm going to get one. I'm going to try, but I'm
1: not expecting it. I'm (laughs) going to try my hardest to get one of these shirts. Um, So footaction.com. It's going to be dropping on Monday, June 15th, 10 a.m. I am not sure if that is... probably Uh, Eastern Standard Time.
2: I believe that's on the East Coast, yeah.
1: Yep. So make sure. um, And there's constant updates, again, on on Lince Dorado's uh, social media. You can find him. Also, if you don't get one of the um, foot action T-shirts, you can go to his shop, prowrestling.com forward slash Lince Dorado. There he has a lot of cool T-shirts for Lucha Lit. And the Fed, which he talked about uh, being his own video game federation, el presidente of the Fed, <laughs> right there. That's just how cool was that? I just got it. just <laughs> go ahead. I got I'm gonna take a second here. <laughs> it
2: was super cool. I mean, goodness, uh, it was so cool that Dusty couldn't even make it to this because he was so overwhelmed by that amazing interview and the good time we had.
1: Yeah, it, it just wiped him out. Wipe poor dusty out, but uh, again, huge thing to say. It was an amazing opportunity to be able to speak with him. Uh, again, check him out on social media, Twitch. Get the shirt from Foot Action. Get the shirt from Um, I mean, if you, after that interview you are not a Lindsay Dorado fan, I don't know what else to tell you. So, real quick, I mean, I. Speaking of, I got to do the segues this week. You know, from from one Puerto Rican to another. I know we don't have any AEW news this week. Uh, the most, I feel like Latin-oriented thing that happened was Matt Hardy <laughs> telling, uh, saying that he was he was going to eat Sammy Guevara like Mafioso. <laughs> that that was literally the most. Latin thing that happened on AEW Dynamite, which I can appreciate. Mofongo is tasty. Of you who are not aware, mofongo is a Puerto Rican dish where you take mashed up plantains that have been fried and you put it in this little cup um, and then in the cup you can put whatever toppings you like. Some people put shrimp, some people put chicken or pork. It's delicious so I totally understand why Matt Hardy told Sammy Guevara he's going to eat him like mofongo. If you also saw on the Matt Facts uh, he enjoyed evil. That was one of his mat facts. So um, that's AEW news for you. You're welcome.
3: <laughs> that's
2: yeah. Uh, it was a light week on the, the talent over there, but uh, I, I have faith that things are going to happen. I, I heard rumors that we're going to see Pentagon in the near future.
3: Ooh.
1: Let's wait and see. Yes. So we do have some news from ROH. They released some content this week of a specific match that uh, we think you as fans should check out. Brendan, can you tell us more?
2: Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, ROH has been focusing a lot on their YouTube channel. And one of their feature matches for this week was uh, the uh, match with uh, Roosh versus Barbario Cavernario. Uh, It is... A fantastic lucha inspired match they uh, they wrestled each other a bunch of times in CMLL and you very uh, traditional lucha element this match, but you also because uh, both of them were trying were working in front of a broader crowd i don't remember if this was in front of the an American crowd or Japanese crowd to be honest uh, but you you because they're working in front of a crowd that is not uh, the arena mexico crowd they they Pull out some bigger, more, bigger, I don't want to say more exciting spots because CMLL has great stuff too, but they do uh, more crazy things, shall we say, because sometimes CMLL lets you, makes you dial it back a little. Yeah, it's a very fun match and everybody should go on YouTube and check that out.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, while you are on YouTube, you can go to Lucha's YouTube page. There you'll find matches and interviews uh, from fairly recent to several years back. So if you're going to be on a YouTube binge, you might as well do it on the Lucha Central YouTube page.
2: Uh, Speaking of Lucha Central, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's time to do it. Lucha, Lucha is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of this, it's luchacentral.com, your centralized place for all things lucha libre.
1: Thank you for that lovely read. Now, because Dusty is not here, this is usually a Dusty segment. He brings us in to this weekend lucha libre. So I will be my best. Uh, I can't say Dusty impression because I don't. I can't. I don't have the accent. But I'm just gonna try and do this segment justice uh, for Dusty. So that way, uh, you know, the, we're, we're, we still have a fantastic segment this week in Lucha Libre history. And for those of you that this is your first time listening to the show, well, welcome. And a heads up. So every week we will pick some of our favorite moments in Lucha Libre history, our favorite days from Lucha Libre history. We'll give some insight as to our favorite matches, or in this case, it could be of you know, personal day as far as a birthday, an anniversary, a beginning of something, end of those types of things. And this is a whole category on LuchaCentral.com. So every day, LuchaCentral.com posts this day in the history. But because we only air once a week, well, we got it cram all of this in one segment this week in Lucha Libre history. So, Brendan, we'll start off with you. Let us know what day and event you picked.
3: Well,
2: first off, uh, Dusty is the one of us that owns the calendar. To Central has a calendar with a lot of these things. Oh, sorry. Mast Republic has the calendar yeah. with a lot of these things on it. Um, and Dusty proudly looks at that and is always the first one to tell us which one he's got because he's got a little bit of a peek ahead of the rest of by owning that calendar. Um, but this week, I, uh, I chose June 12, 1983, where El Canek won the UWA World Heavyweight Championship for the fourth time in it. Uh, this time he beat Tatsumi Fujinami at the – and I'm going to murder this. I apologize – Uh, El Torreo de Cuatro Caminos and Nalcopan. It was a fantastic match. Uh, Well, I can't say that for sure it was a fantastic match. I have not found footage. Everyone that have read this match said it was a fantastic match. Uh, I have chosen a Kinect match in the past and alluded to this, but uh, El Kinect was kind of uh, an icon for Lucha Libre in the 80s. One of the reasons that I keep wanting uh, trying to file research these matches and find as much as I can. Uh, he was uh, very much in a, in a vibe of Hulk Hogan where he, oh. he was, uh, yeah. Uh, he's one of, of uh, only uh, seven people, I believe to slam Andre the giant during the, during the eighties.
1: Whoa, that's a big feat.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Pun intended.
3: <laughs>
2: um so uh I, he's it was he had a legendary run where his his general angle was defeating uh the foreigners improving the superiority of lucha libre over other fighting styles on the world so him winning this time against a japanese legend is uh, was quite the ac- accomplishment and that's uh in, in a really big arena um so I it just seemed like it was the, a no-brainer that I needed to bring this up again because I am a little bit of... Uh, connect mark and people out there on the internet have connect matches that they want me to see. Please send them to me. We'll do my info later, but I will watch all of them. Uh, even if I've seen it before, I'll watch it
1: again. <laughs> it's like watching a favorite movie. It's sometimes you just got to keep, keep watching them. Absolutely. And that's what I, I respect about uh, weekend Lucha Libre history. If you go and see specific days, uh, there's usually at least one match or uh, linked to match that uh, are available. So for those that they do can find, um, it's included in this day in Lucha Libre. So you can try and, and watch them. And I think it's a fantastic way of being able to relive or learn about Lucha Libre matches and history because that's really in general how wrestling is told and how uh, the tradition is passed on. But specifically with Lucha Libre, I mean the, the, the history and the culture that's truly, it's being passed and shared with new generations and new fan bases. So I just highly recommend um, checking that out again through the YouTube page, but also through This Day in Lucha Libre on luchacentral.com. I picked out June 13, 2000. I ended up picking up Fabi Apache winning um, in a hair versus hair match, a, a puestas match uh, against her sister, Maddie Apache at Triple Mania. Um, and this was in Mexico City. Trying to read the Roman numerals. XV1? 16? I feel like that's.
2: A... XV1, uh, X, yeah, that would be.
1: 16. Yes. Uh, <laughs> nailed it. Um... <laughs> So, but really, so I picked this match for several reasons. I've expressed before on on this show that to me, I'm a wrestling fan more based off of storylines. I'm much more driven by storylines and personalities. That's what draws and encapsulates me. And this match, which there is a YouTube link on there, uh, which you can see it, uh, the match itself was pretty gruesome a lot of blood towards the end but I a really got drawn to it because of the story between Fabi and Maddie. and uh, a lot of it is a sister versus sister feud um, Fabie went being the younger sister Maddie being the older these are the two daughters uh, of Gran Apache and he has four daughters and two of them from what I understand were wrestlers Fabi and Maddie. And they had a, a storyline going through 2008 um, with Fabie and Billy Boy, which at her time was her husband, when they started dating and how Gran Apache was not a fan of Billy Boy. And that caused a rift in the family where Fabie and Billy Boy were, to you know, united together and Gran Apache and Mari joined forces. And they had a back and forth for apparently a lot of the springtime um, in 2008, um, and a, a lot of that started with Gran and Billy Boy, but then it, it you know went through into the sisters. Um, and this match in 2008 was really the um, highlight of their rivals, and it was an apuestas match, so hair versus hair. Uh, like I said, it got bloody you have to watch it um it was you know uh, Mari came in really aggressive Fabi was the the uh, face in this and so it was a really good dynamic I felt a lot even in just this short time watching that match understanding the family dynamic and in this match of course Fabi won and so she had to Mari had to cut her hair had to shave her hair but Gran Apache stepped in to try and make Peter saying no I will sacrifice my hair. He takes the clippers and just starts shaving his head. Like, it's a little chaotic at the end. Um, Both sisters are bleeding. Dad's shaving off his head. It sounds like a really bad family reunion. But to me, the story in this and how it ends up uniting the sisters together, uh, Maddie ends up still getting her hair cut with a pair of scissors, but didn't have to shave it. But really... At the end, all of them came together. Fabi and Madi ended up hugging um, and, and reuniting, and I, I really liked the way that it helped tell the end of this story. And everyone who has a sibling knows. I, I have a younger sister, so not that I don't think her and I would ever get into a wrestling match or try and cut each other's hair or anything like that, but uh, I uh, of this.
2: Yeah, well, we all compete with our sibling in one way or so, like, for them, that com- competition is centered around wrestling because that's what that family does. But you know, uh, I've gone into it with my younger brother w- over the video games, me a time, and uh, bets were had and all kinds of... So I get it, and I, do. I too, really appreciated the storyline. This was one when I was watching this match and I'm watching some of the build-ups to it where uh, I didn't feel that I needed to have the the Spanish language to really understand what was going on. The, uh, the language of the matches was so universal. Even the scene where uh, Gran Apache comes out at the end and starts with his own, with his own hair like that, it, all of that worked for me in such a way that I didn't really need the, to, to hear anybody saying anything to know what was going on. Or feel that emotion.
1: Yeah. And that's the element of good storytelling. That it transcends language. And I have I've really felt that through this match. And even learning more. I kind of was reading the book backwards. I ended up seeing the final match. And then trying to catch up on the story prior to that. To learn what got them to that point. But especially yeah. in the final moments. The sisters are bloody. Dad's crying. His hair's half off. Uh, it's a lot to process. It's a lot happening, but I think Mm -hmm. it's also this accumulation of tension in a family for so long and finally reuniting with peace. I thought it was an awesome way to end this match and to end this rivalry. So, hey, you guys let us know what you think is your favorite day in Libra history. Feel free to let us know on social media. Pick out your favorite days. Again, there's videos uh, every day uh, for this day in Libra history that you can watch and just lots of cool facts on luchacentral.com. but now it's time to plug one of our partners thechairshot.com
4: why should you visit thechairshot.com thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews news opinion and analysis with attitude why because you're smarter than the average fan thechairshot.com always use
2: your head
1: Thank you to tearshot.com. And for our final news story, this news story broke last week and we all pretty much saw it online. It was pretty fascinating with things changing in NXT as well uh, with Ijo del Fantasma. Well, I still think this story carries some merit. Um, But Brendan, I'm going to let you tell uh, our listeners, you know, what are we talking about? What is this news story?
2: (laughs) Well, we're talking about family support and uh when phantasma won there was a huge outcry of support there was a number of wrestlers and fans that were putting up their own they were putting up pictures of him they were putting they were you know celebrating in general but the one person whose image really came out loud and clear on this win was uh mama phantasma got a new tattoo of the nxt uh cruiserweight champion, to commemorate her her son's major accomplishment.
1: And, yeah, you could see it. He put it up on his social media. Uh, by the way, he's still Ejo Del Fantasma on Instagram, so, you know, uh, <laughs> for, for there's now, a little huh? bit of a de- Yeah, for now. It could be delayed. <laughs> but he put it on his Instagram. It's his mom getting a tattoo on her forearm of the NXT Cruiserweight Championship with the date that he won it. And, I mean... We also thought it was so cool to have the mom get a tattoo of winning you know, the NFC Cruiserweight Championship. And apparently she has multiple tattoos of some of the other titles that he's won. So this is not the first tattoo that she's gotten or the first one commemorating a title win of his, but it It was so cool to see that support. I I know my mom would never get a tattoo one, and she would never get a tattoo of of me winning a championship. I think she barely uh, tolerates my fandom of pro wrestling. Um, Though... I did have an interesting experience where I, when I told her I started to watch more Lucha Libre, her ears pick, peaked up. Like, that, she said, was fine. <laughs> Regular wrestling, American wrestling, Um, she didn't quite, it just didn't quite uh, meld with her. But um, it, it seemed like such a, such a cool thing for any mother to do. And, I mean, who knows? He could have that title for quite a long time, but... At the same time, no one can take this win away from him, No one, regardless of, of who he is now and the circumstances. I mean, he is the cruiserweight champion, and that's going to live in history in, in the WWE record books and pro wrestling and Lucha Libre history. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool that his uh, mom commemorated that with the tattoo.
2: Yeah, it's exceptionally cool. I know... My mom has gone decades without getting a tattoo, so I don't think she would ever get a tattoo to commemorate anything I did. She'd probably buy a T-shirt if I won a championship, but I don't think that, that's, uh, that a tattoo is anywhere in the foreseeable future, but... Uh, it, all the more, all the more that made me appreciate Mama Fantasma doing this and have, uh, not being the first time. I just thought it was a really neat thing. Um, I we like to we like to do these happy, fun stories to to kind of show you the relationship of the world uh, and in Lucha Libre. And I felt like this this was a great thing to to think about, just how supportive the family structure can be in in Libre.
1: Yeah, family is a lot. I mean, it weighs heavy not only in, in Latino culture, um, but in, in Lucha Libre as well. It's all about family and lineage and your maestro and where you trained. And that carries mm-hmm. so much weight in your career. And, I mean, we heard that with, with Lince earlier in his training in Mexico um, and, and everyone that he's faced and everyone that he contributed, uh, that that has contributed to his career, Um so when you show that sign of respect and admiration, it's her son either way. Taking it to that level, um, that is just something truly beautiful about Lucha Libre because it goes and takes deeper roots in family.
2: Yeah, um, it is one of the things that has always drawn me to it. Like my uh, very first Lucha event that I went to live, I was sitting next to a uh, grandmother with the two grandkids ki- right there. Um, and just immediately that drew me in because that's uh, that that's quality family time. Pro wrestling in general is a good family entertainment, but knowing that you've got multi generations experiencing this together and that that will be memories that they take with that those kids will take with them as they grow up was very cool.
1: So shout out to all the moms there, las madres, las mommies, uh mamas, <laughs> whatever you like to call. Uh, your mom, just a big shout out to all of the moms out there. Uh thank you for being, you know, awesome moms and you know, when your kids win championships and taking us to wrestling shows and all all of these. So um thank you some of to them. All of them. Some
2: of them handle, handle merch and business, too, which is one of the yep. neat things, too, that just seeing mom so supportive that they will sit in a, in a in front of a fold-out table in the back of a an arena with T-shirts on it just to support their, their boy or girl, uh, fantastic stuff.
1: So next time you see your mom, a friend's mom, you know, step-mom, maybe mom, not by birth, but by relationship, all of that. Just give him a hug and a big thank you. So there we have it. We are done with another edition of the Lucha Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And, well, if you want to know more about Lucha Central, you can go to luchacentral.com to get all of your Lucha Libre news. You can also check out Lucha Central on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find them at Lucha Central. That's Lucha Central. On Twitter, uh, we are at LuchaCentral I'm sorry, Lucha Central com, no dot, LuchaCentralcom on Twitter and also again on YouTube that you can check out all of the video content available there. Me, Miranda Morales. Well, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda. Uh, Brendan, where can listeners find you?
2: I am on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm much more active on Twitter, so if you want a faster response, get me there. A three, two, one, T-shirt guy on both of those platforms.
1: And for Dusty Murphy, uh, you can find him on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. He is the one with the lucha mask on. Um, so <laughs> if you're wondering which Dusty it is, it's the one with the mask. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, Lucha Central Weekly. Uh, Is part of the Lucha Central podcast network. So make sure to rate and subscribe. Let us know what you think about the show. Feel free to give us comments and feedback. Speaking of, do we have any new additions to our trio's name uh, suggestions?
2: No uh, new additions. Emmett Brown came back on YouTube and mentioned that he started a drinking game based on some of our behaviors, but uh, no new suggestions as a...
3: Well, wait,
1: hold on. So you can't just say he started a drinking game and and not say what the drinking game is. Just lay it on us. What is this drinking game that he
2: created? So he say certain things. Uh, I, myself, rely on the word absolutely a lot, and uh, Miranda, you say that uh, take my money a lot, and uh, does a very specific kind of mm, that only someone from his part of the country so uh, those are those are the uh, the the beginnings of the drinking he's trying to uh, it sounds like he might be trying to decide what to do when we switch things up because we uh, confused him last week with other, oh. each of us doing other people's catchphrases last week
1: oh interesting well you know what I'm gonna <laughs> wait and see what some of these new rules are I'll be <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you post on YouTube and let us know maybe some modifications uh, to the drinking game or new things. No, but uh, thank you all. Again, luchacentral.com, your source for Lucha Libre news, opinions, and analysis. And we will be back here next week, so make sure to come back and check us out.
3: lo sácalo de, de la huito mete persona, el personaje el y el tiro el candado pica los lo pala lo de cero sácalo de gris Yo me espero que son la que la doble del tira puso, y quita de soldado, pinta de los ojos, cálalo de pelo y sacalo de río.